G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. We hopped in the car, we thanked them for lunch, we went home, and I'm driving on the highway, and Honey reaches over into my shirt pocket, pulls out the envelope and opens it up. And she looks at it, I could see it was a check, and she starts crying. And I thought, oh, women cry all the time, I don't know what's wrong with her now. And I leaned over and I said, what's the matter now? And she said, we're going. I said, we're going where? She said, we're going to Cross Harbour. I said, what's that? She said, that's $500. And I said, not enough. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today, John Reifler joins us once again to share more of the incredible way God worked in his and his wife, Honey's lives to miraculously help start the Sherwood Christian Rehab Centre near Coffs Harbour. When we ended last time, John was doing ministry work in Western Australia and Honey had gotten a degree in occupational therapy. Next, we'll find out how they came to Coffs Harbour to start the Drug Rehab Centre. Once again, John is having a chat with Eric Scatterbo. We went on holidays to stay with my wife's parents and then while we were in Coffs Harbour, we were looking around. She was talking to the family and I went to the real estate and I said to the real estate, the real estate looks at me. I was a bit, we were hippies by then. You know? Oh, yeah. I had a beard and, and jeans and she had cheesecloth and dresses with flowers all over it and with this hippie flower power time, mm-hmm. went to the real estate and he says, what can I do for you? And I said, uh, we want to buy a farm. And he said, who is we? And I said, the Lord and I. <laughs> and he looked at me. He just almost was speechless. And he said, so uh, have you got any money? I said, yes, not a problem. My father is a millionaire. And then he looked at me. And then he said, where are you from? Because I had an accent. I might mm-hmm. probably still have it. Yep. I had a heavy Swiss accent. And I said, from Switzerland. He put two and two together and got five. He thought there was some father in Switzerland who's a millionaire, <laughs> who's got a son that's a little bit loopy, but I'll sell him anything. Uh, he got it all wrong. Anyway, so he, we made arrangements. To, he said, last night, a guy who was drunk at the pub offered me his farm for sale. Mm. Okay. He said, I'll go and check up if it was fair income or not. So he came back the next day and he said, yes, he rang us. And he said, yep, meet you at the pub. So we met at the pub. Then we go up to this farm. We opened the gate. He had a yellow Mercedes. I opened the gate. He drove through and I shut the gate. And then I thought, well, Lord, this is important. So I knelt behind his car and I just prayed and said, Lord, if this is not the place you have for me, knock it on the head now. Tell me now, I don't want to waste this man's time. And I was a bit too long praying. So he got out of the car and he walks behind the car and he sees me kneeling there. And he just apologized and he ran back in the car and sat there. Hmm. And he said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm just talking to the boss. I just, I need to know some information. He said, okay, okay, okay. So we drove around and we looked at the place. 
And I said, yes, I'll buy it. And he said, you got the money? I said, no, I don't have any with me. I'm on holidays. And I said, let's sign all the paperwork. He said, I can't. It's illegal. He said, I can't. I can't. We need a deposit. I said, listen, you t I tell you what to do. You please yourself. We fill in all the paperwork now. I sign the paperwork. You sign it and put it in the bottom of your drawer. I go back and I'll send you the deposit of $1,000 within a month. And he says, I can't do that. I said, for money, you can do anything. <laughs> anyway, so he did. And on the last day of the month, of the 30 days where I was supposed to send him the $1,000, I didn't have $1,000. And I told my wife, I said to Honey, we can sell a second car. We can sell some furniture. I'll have a garage sale. We'll, we'll, we'll raise the $1,000. Mm -hmm. And she put her foot down and she said, no, you're not doing anything to raise money. She said, if this is of God, he will provide. And then we were invited for lunch to an older couple from the church. And Honey was pregnant at the time. I think she was three months pregnant or something. I can't remember. And he went to the bedroom and came out and gave me an envelope. And he said, I have something little for you kids. Okay. So we hopped in the car, we thanked them for lunch, we went home, and I'm driving on the highway, and Honey reaches over into my shirt pocket, mm -hmm. pulls out the envelope and opens it up. And she looks at it, I could see it was a check, and she starts crying. And I thought, oh, women, pregnant, <laughs> cries all the time, I don't know what's wrong with her now. And I, I leaned over and I said, what's the matter now? And she said, we're going. I said, we're going where? She said, we're going to Cos Harbour. I said, what's that? She said, that's $500. Oh, wow. And I said, not enough. But at 6 o'clock that morning, I had a phone call from an old lady from the church, and she said, John, what are you doing? I had my quiet time at 6 o'clock this morning, and God told me to give you $500. Oh, wow. And I said, uh, really? She said, what are you doing? And I said, I can't tell you. I said, it's not enough. But I'll tell you, I'll do a deal with you. If the money comes in, the other half, I'll take it. If it doesn't come in by the end of the day, I will decline your offer. And so then that's when I went for lunch, and that's when we got the $500. So I rang up the old lady oh, straight wow. afterwards, and I said, you're on, I'll take your $500. <laughs> and I sent him back the money. I transferred the money in the bank about five minutes before closing time in Cosh Harbour. Oh, my goodness. And the rest, you know, I've got so many stories to tell you. And then we started the drug rehab. We bought the place. We were in a 40-seater Bedford bus, and that was our accommodation. Yeah, that's all you had. Yeah, that's all we had. We had no house. There was no buildings, nothing there at all. Just a bus. Trees and 80 acres, clear paddocks. That's it. Wow. It was 130 acres, and we paid $15,000 for 130 acres, that included a tractor, $2,000 for the tractor and $13,000 for the 130 acres. And how did you find people for your drug rehab center? Well, we then, we had a phone call from the Coffs Harbour Baptist Church. They, they had a Gideon's conference and they heard we were coming back to Coffs Harbour. And so they came and visited us and they promised to support us $80 a week. Mm -hmm. 
And so that's when we came back to Kosovo. They supported us $80 a week. We became members of the uh, the Baptist Church in Kosovo. And then we arrived, and the first week we had the first alcoholics come, and on the second week we had the first heroin addicts come. Yeah, how did that come about? Just people, the word spread that we were coming to start a rehab. Mm Mm-hmm. And people already shuffled, you know, gave us people because I came over from Perth with another married couple and we didn't even have a shower or a toilet. When we went to the toilet, we had to get a spade and toilet paper and go bush. Wow. And to have a shower for the first two or three months before we had time to put up a water tank and everything, we curled up a garden hose and hooked two garden hoses together and left them on the grass. And then we had to have a shower while the sun was shining and the water got a bit warm in the hose. Then we had to wait 10 minutes for the next, and that's how we did it. Oh, wow. And then we prayed, and I said, Lord, we can't be like this. We can't live in this bus. We need accommodation. Mm-hmm. And then I had a dream, and I dreamt about people coming out of railway carriages. They were stretching their arms and yawning, and I thought, oh, bedrooms, bedrooms. So the next day I said to the staff, the three staff and to Honey and my wife and I said look you stay home pray I'm going to Grafton to the railway station God told me to get some railway carriages mm. and they all looked at me and I said just just don't work just pray so I went to Grafton got to the station master and I said can I talk to you he said yeah he said come into my office so I went in his office and he says what can I do for you I said we want to buy carriages and he looked at me and he said, who's we? And I said, the <laughs> Lord and I. And he was so flabbergasted. He didn't know what to say, where to look. Yeah. And he says, I only sell tickets. I don't sell railway carriages. And I leaned forwards on his desk. I knocked on his desk with my fist. And I said, listen, God told me last night we're getting carriages and we are getting carriages. Wow. And he went red and I said, does God have a lie? And he, he hesitated and he said, oh, I suppose not. And I said, well, we're getting carriages. And then he said, if that's how you feel, I'll make a phone call. He made a phone call and after 20 minutes, we had several carriages. Wow. Donated to us. Well, yeah, yeah, honey shared about that story. And then miraculously, you were able to get them all the way from the railroad to your property yes so that was that and then and that's how we started and Mm -hmm. that's how we've been in the drug rehab for the last this is our 42nd year now Mm -hmm. and my daughter and son-in-law actually my son-in-law he actually came through the program when he was 19 he had drug issues yeah honey shared about that well tell us about some of the stories of changed lives that you saw over the years Look, we had a discussion one day. We have devotions with the guys every morning. Mm-hmm. And every morning, someone else takes a turn. And including the guys, uh, the, we call them seekers because they come seeking for a solution to their life. Mm-hmm. And so well, I prayed and I said, look, we need another cow. We've run out of milk. The cow has gone dry. We need another milking cow. And the guy looked, he started to laugh and he started to sort of, you know, belittle us. He said, you're crazy. You're going to pray for a cow. I said, yeah, God knows our need. And that was at nine o'clock in the morning. At lunchtime, I got a phone call from a farmer 
near Cosh Harbour, and he said, John, I was thinking about you this morning, and I was just thinking, he said, the Lord put it on my heart to give you a milking cow. Oh, wow. So come dinner time, we have praise points. We praise God for whatever he's done today. Mm-hmm. And I shared it, and I said, oh, praise God, he's answered our prayer. We can pick up a milking cow tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And he took me aside and he said, you're a liar. He said, you already organized all this. He says, you're just making this up and pretending that God is answering prayer. He said, you already knew that all along. And I said, no, I didn't. And I said, I'll tell you what, tomorrow you can come with me. So we got the Bedford truck. We picked up the cow. And I said, now you go and talk to the farmer. Mm-hmm. And then he went and talked to the farmer. And the farmer told him that I had not contacted him, that God spoke to him that day to give us a milk and cow. And that, that nearly blew the socks off this man. You're listening to The Story. Our guest today is once again John Reifler, who, along with his wife, Honey Reifler, are the founders of the Sherwood Christian Rehab Centre near Coffs Harbour in New South Wales. Over the years, countless lives have been impacted by this drug rehab centre. And next, John will share some of those remarkable stories. That and more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Our guest today is once again John Reifler, who, along with his wife Honey, are the founders of the Sherwood Christian Rehab Centre near Coffs Harbour in New South Wales. Over the years, countless lives have been impacted by this centre, and Honey has even written a book about the miraculous way God has worked in those people's lives, which she appropriately titled Countless. Right now, John shares some of those stories. There was a tax man came out to uh, do an audit of your finances, is that right? Yes, the tax man came. Yep. Oh, because we were a registered charity, they came and investigated us and they thought there was something going on because we had we had one of the guys that was disgruntled mm-hmm. and we kicked him out for trying to bring drugs in. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he tried to stop our passport. He tried to say that we had put money in a secret Swiss account and all this sort of stuff. And then, and then the charities department came and they had two blokes there for three days. And they were questioning and questioning and questioning, and I gave them all the paperwork and everything. And then they came back and said, oh, look, there's a whole lot of all these checks. We want the receipts. And I said, well, you got all the books. You go and find it. I said, you get paid for this. I don't get paid. Hmm. I said, you go and find it yourself. They came back the next day, and they said, we found all the receipts at 1 o'clock this morning. And I said, good on you. Anyway, so we talked and talked, and finally when they left, I said, have you found anything wrong? And he said, we can't disclose anything. And I said, listen, I demand to know what's going on. And then he finally took me aside and he said, there's nothing wrong. Mm. We couldn't find anything. And so they asked around town, and I got a visit from him. must have been four years later or five years later, I got a phone call to say, listen, 
do you remember me? I said, yeah, yeah, I do, I do remember you. He said, I'd like to visit you. He came and visited us, and he said, you know, as a result of going back and looking at what happened and investigating you, he said, I've come to know the Lord. He said, oh, I was wow. so intrigued and inquisitive. He said, I've started going back to church, and he says, I've got a relationship with Jesus. Now, he was an atheist when he first came, is that right? Yeah, he was. He definitely was an unbeliever. He was very skeptical, and he was always mm-hmm. having a go at us, and he wouldn't yeah. even have a cup of tea. And I said, would you like a cup of tea or coffee? No, no. And I said, listen, you guys, if you think I can bribe you with a cup of tea, then you shouldn't be in your job. Mm. Now, that was that was a wonderful, wonderful testimony as well. You know? Yeah, so what do you think it was that uh, caused him after spending some time with you and looking at your finances? I think it's the faith aspect. Hmm. It's the faith aspect. I think he's not come across anybody before who would actually live by faith and God is actually supplying because he always asks, how are you financed? And how does the money come in? And I said, I don't know. We just pray and ask God and that's it. And if, you know, if God sees fit, we we accept it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, God tells us it gives us the money, and if not, that's it. We pray about something, a project. If mm-hmm. the money comes, we do it. If it doesn't come, we don't do it. Yeah. Wow. And I had, I had, a, I had an old lady come for a picnic one day, and she came with a group of people, and she said, John, what are your projects? He says, what are your needs? He said, I'd like to help you. And we've always had a policy. We don't ask people for money. We don't ask for donations. And I said to her, I can't tell you. She says, why can't you tell me? She says, you know, if I want to help you. I said, you know what? You go and ask the Lord what you should be doing. And she got so angry, she nearly swore at me. Mm. She said, you are rude. And she says, here I am. I want to help you. And you were just ignoring me. And I said, no, no, you got it all wrong. Anyway, so she left disgruntled. Five months later... We got a $500 check from her with a long letter apologizing, and she said, John, I've been a Christian for many years. I have never heard anything from the Lord to tell me what to do. And she said, after I spoke to you, and she said, I'm sorry for getting angry, but she said, I asked God, is there anything you want me to do? And she said, he told me clearly at my devotions this morning to give you $500. Oh, wow. And she said, thank you. She said, I have never experienced that before. Hmm. And so that, you know, that's just one of these things. Yeah, yeah. And how about we wrap up our conversation with uh, a changed life story of one of the people who came to beat an addiction? We got a phone call. We, we weren't there very long, most probably. We were there about two or three years mm-hmm. at the rehab. And I got a phone call from the Coast Harbour Hospital. They say, oh, look, we've got two young blokes there on drugs. They're from Western Australia. We've picked them up in the street. The police brought them up here for us to talk to them. They were 16 and 17-year-olds. They'd run away from home. And I said, okay, just give me an hour. I'll come in. So I go to Coast Harbour Hospital, they, they met me there, the, the, the hospital staff, and said, look, we've got the boys in the office. So I go in the office, and here are the two boys. Mm-hmm. And I said, what are you doing here, boys? I was the last person they wanted to see. I knew their parents. Oh. 
from when I was ministering in Perth. Oh, wow. They'd ended up in Coffs Harbour by accident, didn't even know I was here. And so they both came to rehab. I took them home. Both of them came to the Lord. And one guy in particular, after he left Sherwood, he went back to Western Australia, went back to his parents, reconciled with his parents again. Mm -hmm. Then he went to Weck Bible College, and he's been doing missionary work ever since. Oh, fantastic. And he got married, and he's still in mission work today. And so we have some people who have become pastors, others who have gone into mission work. Uh, We have quite a string of people that Mm -hmm. have totally changed their lives. Well, if somebody's listening today and is thinking, how can I help out to people who have drug addictions and alcoholism, what would you say to them? What advice would you have for them? Look, compassion. Compassion. Mm Mm-hmm. I think, I think it's so important as Christians is to look at people that are in need, look at them through the eyes of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do. When I see a drug addict or an alcoholic or whatever, I don't see, I don't see the filth. I see the potential that they could actually have. Mm. I already see them the way they could be. Mm-hmm. And that encourages me to get to them and, and to talk to them. And I make no distinction whether they're black, white, yellow, or brindle, you know. God has given me a great love for those people. And having experienced it myself in my own life, yep. being an ex, so I know what it means to be loved. And that's all It's all people want, just mm-hmm. love understanding. They don't want to be Bible-based. They don't want to be told what to do, you know. Don't take drugs. Well, they already know that, you know, that mm. it's a no-brainer. Yeah. But we need to offer them a way out and to give them a light where they can, you know, they need to see the light on the end of the tunnel, mm-hmm. but it's not the train coming, you know, it should be actually the light of the, the light of the world. Yes, yeah. Well said. And so I say to most Christians, you know, get out of your comfort zone. Don't just spend all day at home or doing stuff. Get involved. Mm-hmm. Do stuff and you will experience God's mercy, God's love and God's supply in everything you do. And I'm still as excited as I was the first day when I went to Sherwood, when I went to the drug rehab. I'm still as excited today to see people's lives changed. And now your daughter and your son-in-law are running the center? Yes. My daughter and son-in-law have taken over management now. I'm, I'm 72 this year, so everybody's telling me, you've got to slow down. I say, I don't know what to slow down for, but, you know, but it's a new generation, and so they're doing a great job. And I'm helping them every day. I'm in the background. They make their decisions, and I just try to be the support to them and do ministry mm-hmm. all over the place. I, I do a fair bit of preaching around the place. Wherever people want me to come, I'll go. And you also help out in schools? Yeah, I'm a school counsellor on a Friday at the Christian Community High School in Cross Harbour, where I mingle with 480 students and about 60 staff. And that's my job, just to encourage them and to, you know, to be there if they're in need. Wow. Thank you so much, John Reifler, for sharing your story with us today. No worries, Eric. Pleasure to do that. Pleasure to hear your stories. Thank you so much. God bless you. All the best. 
Well, that was the conclusion of Eric Scadabo's conversation with John Reifler from the Sherwood Christian Rehab Centre near Coffs Harbour in New South Wales. And before chatting with John, we also heard from his wife, Honey, a few programs ago. So it was great to get both of their perspectives on the wonderful way God worked in their lives to get their drug rehab centre up and running. Also, it was great to hear how their daughter and son-in-law are now providing leadership for the ministry and are continuing the legacy of helping people. And that is fantastic. Well, if you'd like to contact John and Honey, uh, you can reach them through their website, sherwoodcliffs.com.au. That's sherwoodcliffs.com.au. Also, Honey has written a book about the numerous miracles of God they've seen over the years at their centre called Countless, which is available online. Finally, the Bible says, There is rejoicing in the presence of the angels in heaven over one sinner who repents. And thanks to the Sherwood Christian Rehab Centre, there have been many angels rejoicing over the years with many lives changed. A wonderful legacy for all involved. Well, thanks for joining us for the conclusion of the Sherwood Christian Rehab Centre story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. And suddenly it hit me, just a minute, this uh, hobby you've got, photography, you're spending all your time and money on that. How much are you giving to the Lord? So um, I gave away the cameras, I gave away darkroom equipment and said, right, I've become a Christian. I have no time for this sort of stuff. It's become a God and uh, I just want to serve the Lord. Award-winning Christian photographer Raymond Williams joins us next time to give us an overview of his amazing life journey. He's photographed everyone from Cliff Richards to Princess Diana and has taken photos of historically significant events like the 1968 Billy Graham crusade and Cyclone Tracy in Darwin in 1974. Raymond will share all the stories behind the photos next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.